Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. Hello and welcome to the 93rd episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast for the episode Brothers. I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me is my faithful podcasting co-host, Matt Prinky. Yes, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Uh, you know what? I, I, Don't say it. I want to say bad because this was a <laughs> terrible, terrible episode that we have to sit here and talk about. But uh, I played Mass Effect 3 all weekend, and then I went and yeah. saw uh, John, John Carter. Carter. So, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about all that. That's pretty good. But, yeah. but the weekend did not start off all that well with this, oh, boy. Uh, with this episode of The Clone Wars. But we'll get into all that right. in a second. Let's, uh, let's start off with some news. Alrighty. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. All right, Mike, so we're going to talk about Darth Maul in this episode uh, later on and some of the problems that we had. But before then, let's talk about Sam Whitmer, who voices Darth Maul. And this has got to be like the one thing that has exceeded my expectations as far as like the voice and everything. And and here's how big Maul coming back is. I mean, he's been on Sam Whitmer. I'm talking about. He's been on Yahoo. He's been on Episode Weekly, I think, or Entertainment Weekly. He's been on TV Guide, doing um, you know interviews and all that. And he was also on Attack of the Show. So here's a clip I have from Attack of the Show. He's talking to that Kevin Pereira. And he's talking about Maul. And for anybody out there, this is a little bit of a spoiler warning. So, because uh, he talks about maybe what's going to happen um, in previous, not really what's going to happen. It's a small spoiler. It's not nothing big, really. But let's just take a quick listen to this. And I just want to comment on, on what's going on. So um, check out Sam Witwer on Attack of the Show. Darth Maul's back, he regenerates like a gecko, or they well, give him some robot parts? How you know, does that work? That's the thing, all right? So so it's not about Darth Maul is back because he's so badass. It's not about that. It's it's about like uh, <laughs> this sucks for him. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> that's really what it's about. It's about like this is not a good thing. He hasn't spent ten years in anger management. It's like he's having some real problems because of what has happened. 
So it's about the psychological cost of what happened to him, and it's, it's right. The fact big. that he was defeated and pretty much cut in half, yeah. uh, that might get to you a little, a little bit. emasculating. That might, that might yeah. pull a string or three. Totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so is that is that is that the arc then exploring him coming to terms with the fact that he was he, he was bested and well, and it's interesting because it's kind of like okay, so he's back and he's like, I that guy, he cut me in half. I want him. I want a revenge. Right. And we watch as he tries to get that, and then he goes, you know, uh, it's not as much fun as I thought it would be. And then he starts coming up with bigger plans, but all about revenge. You know, it's okay, the same yeah. thing. He's like, oh, there's a better way to do this. Yeah, let's But not... we don't see some of that, some of the stuff I'm talking about, we don't start seeing that, the new plan until next season. So no, no spoilers or anything, but he's... No spoilers except the ones not... you just gave <laughs> on show just now. Exactly. No spoilers except the fact that it's going to get a lot right. crazier. it's going right, to get I a like lot that. crazier. Now let's yeah. talk about being human. Okay, Mike, so... We, saw, we heard that clip, and yeah. actually there's some pretty good stuff in there, and, and who knows what's going to happen next season, and it kind of gives me a little bit of hope hearing what he's talking about. But I wanted to feature more of the fact that, that and you saw this in the clip, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it on this show, but he was on with with uh, Clancy Brown, and they were showing them do the uh, the voice acting process. Yeah. And I was just, that that made me a fan of him and him doing the voice because at first I was a little like bummed that Sarah Fenowitz wasn't coming back mm -hmm. to do it because we see we've seen you know Liam Neeson come back and voice a character for the show so I was like oh, I was a little bummed but after seeing that clip and listening to this I mean he's really turned me around as a fan I love what he's saying okay I love his 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 attitude and his excitement for what he's doing and you know he can't really we're gonna talk about what's going on in this episode but for me, I mean, just, I'm just a fan of his now. And, and just to hear him mm -hmm. talk and his enthusiasm for the character uh, makes me a little hopeful that we're going to see better things than kind of what we saw in this episode. So I know you've watched him in, like, Being Human yeah. and all that. I mean, is this any surprise to you that that how he feels about the character? No, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Sam Witwer. Uh, not only Being Human, but also uh, he he did a turn on uh, on Smallville as... Doomsday, uh, Doomsday, right? Uh, and he uh, he was also uh, he's in the movie The Mist, and he's obviously the 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 Apprentice uh, in the Force Unleashed series. Um, right. So I mean, like I I'm a I'm a big fan of the character uh, or of the actor in general, and and all of the characters that he's played. Like he's he's done a really great job with each character that I've seen him portray. Um, and, and I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, we're, we'll talk about the episode in a little bit, but, um, even though my feelings might be a little bit negative towards this episode and towards them mm -hmm. bringing back Darth Maul for the reasons that they did, uh, I don't have any problem with his Darth Maul. Uh, it, it, if there's anything that I do have an issue with, it's that, he is putting so much more work into this character mm. than they're going to let us see. Like there, there's right. so much going on with that character in the few minutes that we see him in this episode. Uh, they like, there's no explanation. We don't get to delve deeper into uh, that is just like, we just get to scratch the surface with it. And I, and, and I think that that's like, that's the biggest injustice that this story does to that is that like you know we just pick up with him stark raving mad and uh and and by the mm. next episode he'll be all better and uh and i don't know it's just like breezing through things 
and not allowing Sam Witwer to to do what he can do, you know, um, sort of forcing him right. into a corner to have to play the character is really manic, so that you can get a lot of dialogue out and and establish as much of that as possible. Um, when really what we need is like an episode or two of him being a little bit more silently, broodingly crazy and, uh, and, and sort of letting him tell his story rather than just blurting out random things and us having to fit together the pieces, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean like I, I'm, I'm really happy with the way that he's portraying the character and I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with it in the future but yeah, I mean, as for this episode, they really dropped the ball, right? <laughs> so yeah, well, that's true. And and like I you know, said, I think he. Well, I'll say I'll say later that he was like the only shining point, but but we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I was just a fan. It's like watching those behind the scenes videos. Like you can almost put the makeup on him, yeah. and he's acting right there. I yeah. mean, this is like can't they do you know what throughout the force unleashed as a you know a movie yeah. and and throw him on as as the star yeah. i mean shoot you gotta you gotta it's crazy that's blockbuster all over it right there but anyway i just want to mention that a big fan of his and uh I, he's been all over like i said he's even i've been on the t- today show like doing a lightsaber yeah. fight against kathy or something like that it's been it's been wild so good stuff well, here's another thing too Topher grace uh, he's from the 70s show, uh, Super Spider-Man 3. That's his big, big part there. Uh, among other things, he's a, he's somewhat of a uh, editor. He wants to be or get into editing or something like that. So what he did was he edited all three prequels down to 85 minutes to give himself his own prequel movie. And uh, it's been getting some pretty good... It's, it's not really a movie, so the reviews... I can't really say reviews, but... He invited like 50 friends to come yeah. watch it. And uh, they were saying some pretty good things about it. And it's kind of funny how he did it because he basically starts the movie um, right with the uh, episode one Maul, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan fight. That's basically where it starts at the end. So he pretty much cuts out the entire first movie except for the end. And uh, he leaves out um, a lot of the politics. He leaves out Grievous, uh, Jar Jar Binks for the most part, the clone army. So, um, kind of wild. And, and I had no idea. Apparently, he's a pretty big Star Wars fan. So, he wanted to test his editing chops and, and try something fun. So, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see this? Or not see it, but... Yeah, I did. I read the story. Um, it's, uh, it's very interesting uh, that, that he's done it and everything. Uh, I think it's only getting as much play as it is because he's... Uh, yeah, because he's a TV and film actor. So... Right. Uh, so he gets to uh, to publicize the fact that he spent a weekend cutting together the Star Wars prequels into what he thinks is a better movie. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, to me, it's it's uh, like the fan edit thing. There's some pretty good fan edits out there. Uh, one of my favorite versions of A New Hope is Star Wars Revisited, but oh, I yeah. think like Star Wars Revisited kind of. Uh, and and the Phantom Edit kind of like like started off this trend of of the fan edits and uh, mm-hmm. and and made it a popular thing to do and something that you could do when you're not happy with a movie. Um, but I I feel like since then they've gotten more and more pretentious to the point where like 
I'm sorry, but a guy like George Lucas, who is well known in film, like regardless of what you think of his writing or his directing, like he mm-hmm. is an editor, and and he like the the cutting in in the Star Wars movies is 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 pretty flawless. Like you can do stuff story editing, but that's a completely mm-hmm. different thing from like I, I, yeah, like the the whole thing is that Topher Grace wanted to see see how he could alter a story with editing and 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 with with cinematic cuts and blah 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 and all that sort of thing and it's like okay that's that's great and everything but it's just a little bit pretentious to me to go and take somebody else's art and rehash it in that way mm-hmm. and particularly in in such a sort of haphazard like let's just cut out so much of this story to make it it's not I uh, from the reviews that I've read. It doesn't. It's not that he makes it better or make more sense. It's just that he cut out all of the things that people don't like. That's all he did, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so, and then you, once you're done with that, you're you're left with having to reconcile this plot point with this thing and this thing with that thing, and so like the clone troopers are in it, but they're it's only ever mentioned once that they're clones, so. To me, like that—that's a—that's a failing. Like you, you've taken part of a, a storyline, whether or not you wanted it to be the same storyline, like whether or not you wanted to involve Jango Fett or the Jedi Council or this elaborate, uh, this elaborate, you know, uh, scheme that that Palpatine has come up with. I, uh, if you leave out that chunk of story, then those are just a bunch of guys in 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 armor, right? And and mm-hmm. if somebody says the word clone and it's the clone wars, then you're kind of like, well, I don't understand. These guys are all clones. Can I get a little bit more clarification? But because we already know that they're clones and because we don't like the storyline that they're clones, like I'm, I'm generalizing for, for the, the average viewer, not this is how us yeah. fans feel, but like, because, because we're already aware of that and because we know the story, our mind fills in the gaps that he pulled out. So, I, I don't know, like, like uh, one one thing here is is uh, is that Kyle Newman kind of he he's a he's a he's a big prequel defender, and uh, oh, yeah, and he uh, he actually he did a whole thing at Star Wars Celebration Five on why we love the prequels, him and and some other uh, panelists, but like he was really sort of the main driving force at that panel, sort of giving giving all this amazing insight into why those films are incredibly well-written, uh, expertly crafted, but maybe not expertly executed. Um, mm-hmm. And see, like, that's how I feel about the prequels. So to go in and butcher them into an 85-minute, three-movie cut down into one... Mm-hmm. You know, and starting at the end of episode one, so you pretty much cut out all of episode one. That it just seems really hacky to me, and really, really disrespectful to what's already there, what's on screen, uh, the work that other people did, and uh, and and the actual like the quality of the movies that you're messing with. Because at the end of the day, I mean, uh, yes, the original trilogy is better. Yes, there are better movies than the prequels. But there are a lot of worse movies than the prequels. A lot mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, it's, it's just because of Star like, Wars. You like know, I can gonna... just I can just name off random crap that's worse than the prequels. Like 
the Tomb Raider movies, both of them, both are crap, but people like them <laughs> and would consider consider them better than than the prequels. Or I or I mean the people who think that Twilight and all of those films are good. Uh, like mm. there's not they don't they don't even oh. hold a candle to episode one. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like there's, there's not even a comparison there. It's, it's the same as when people complain about Indiana Jones four, and, uh, and anytime you go back to something that's beloved and, and you try and take another crack at it, Ghostbusters two, uh, people mm-hmm. just get this attitude. Tron legacy, right? Tron legacy is an amazing movie. It's so good. It's got one portion of it that lags but that lagging part is an homage to the original movie, which has that exact same sequence. Well, not exact same sequence, but same similar sequence that lags as well. So, I mean, when you're copying something that has this cult fan base and it lags in the middle of the movie and you throw in an homage to that, you're kind of, you kind of know what you're getting there. But, uh, and it's like, I, you know what? I, I'll talk about John Carter right now. Cause that movie, I just saw it, uh, last night and it, blew me away with how amazing it was but i know that there's a lot of people out there right now slagging it left and right the same way that they would the prequels and the same way that they do tron and indiana jones and uh the same way that everybody's gone back and said saying now that they hate the spider-man movies because there's a new spider-man franchise coming out when it's like (laughs) spider-man one was all right spider-man two is a fantastic movie Spider-Man 2 is awesome. Right. Like, that's a pretty perfect mm-hmm. Spider-Man story. Spider-Man 3 is a terrible, terrible piece of crap that no one should ever be subjected to. <laughs> what do you know? Topher Grace, yeah, Topher Grace is in that movie. So we'll just leave that out there while we're discussing all of this stuff. Uh, but people have this, like, retcon history of, like, I never liked those movies. Because people just want to hate on movies nowadays. And they all want to mm-hmm. be armchair producers. It's another example is Mass Effect 3 just came out. Blockbuster video game. Incredible story, incredible production value. Just such a top-notch effort from the people at Bioware that put it together. So, not the same people that are responsible for the old Republic, because obviously that just came out and Mass Effect 3 comes out. They can't have been working on both at the same time. But the same the same company, so the same ethos, the same uh, work ethic, all that stuff. Um, and there's people just going nuts and being totally critical and negative about that game right now because it's not living up to their expectations or what they they would have done and i'm doing quote fingers right now because it's such a load of crap like for someone who's been through film school you know i spent two years studying film did the whole thing and was like wow there's so much to making movies it's not for me and decided to do something else with my life i have a total respect for anybody that finishes a film and puts it out and makes millions of dollars off of it and, you know, like, and, and, and manages that and has a modicum of success. Or even if they don't have success, if they made an awesome movie, right? Like, they, but there's, I think because we all have iMovie and, and uh, you know, <laughs> our, our phones, our video cameras. Final yeah, Cut and Pro. we can all just do this stuff at home now. It's, people have just lost a respect for it. Because they go, oh, well, I could do that if I had the time. 
And it's like, I don't, I don't care if you have the time or like, yeah, Topher Grace. Great, great. You, you've had success with a television show and then uh, a terrible movie career. So now you've decided that you're going to go do, uh, do this thing where you edit somebody else's movies and you invite all of your famous friends over to talk about it. And, uh, and it becomes a cult internet thing. And we all want to see this this amazing fan edit because like we have nothing to we have we actually have nothing to base it on other than the opinions of his friends right like Mm -hmm. 50 of his friends or probably more like 10 of his friends and then 40 people that are acquaintances uh at least like 20 of those that are sycophants that ai for our younger listeners if you don't know what that word means just go to dictionary.com right now and look up sycophant you'll understand what i'm saying these people are just gonna they're just gonna go with whatever he says right like like oh yeah oh it's it's brilliant the the one story that i read the entirety of uh from from a a a member of the press he just totally like licked topher grace's boots and was like he, oh, yeah. he took these terrible movies and he fixed them and he did this and that and it was amazing and it shows what you can do with a little bit of skill if only George Lucas would have had that skill and all this sort of thing and it's like I'm sorry I'll give you the the uh, resources that George Lucas has and, and the, the same crew and the same cast and, uh, and we'll see if you can make a better movie you know what I'll even let you replace Jake Lloyd <laughs> and we'll see what happens, right? Like you can yeah. you can rewrite as much of the story the as you want. You do whatever you want. We'll give you the exact same scenario, and I guarantee you, you'll make a worse movie than George Lucas did because he's made he's responsible for six of the greatest movies of all time. Okay, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Temple of Doom, and The Last Crusade. Six of the best films ever. He's responsible for two of the most iconic characters on both ends of the spectrum. Vader being being one of the the greatest villains in cinema history, just in storytelling history. And Indiana Jones, one of the best heroes in history. Mm -hmm. Like he's responsible for putting those characters on the screen, whether Steven Spielberg directed Indiana Jones or not. George Lucas was still a producer and wrote the stories and came up with the concepts and then got his friend to put it on screen. Right. Like it, it, it just baffles my mind the the disrespect that people can have for such an unbelievable talent as George Lucas, because he made a few mediocre movies later on in his career. Right. Cause he's mm-hmm. got a decade easily from 77 to well i indiana jones comes out it came out in 89 so i mean you've got yeah just over a decade like the last uh, crusade was 89 last crusade is 89 um so you've got just over a decade of of amazing filmmaking like unbelievable filmmaking and in there willow also comes out which maybe not as big as as the others, uh, but definitely a worthwhile effort. And uh, and and I mean, you know, put Ron Howard on the map 
as a director and, and allowed him to uh, to go on to direct things like Forrest Gump and and all that sort of thing. Um, so I mean, like people who want to discount that and retcon history by saying that George Lucas has never had any talent. I mean, it, it just it's it's completely disrespectful to to the person that he is and the talent that he still has. And then, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to tear apart this episode of The Clone Wars today and, and I'm going to rip it a new one because it really falls short, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I only do that not because it's trendy or cool or because we've seen uh, uh, sorry instead because we've seen how high the clone wars can soar as a television series and what it can do for both animated shows half hour format and just television in general we've we've seen it do some amazing things amazing storytelling last week is an example of that. I mean, I I don't know that we've ever gone from such a high to such a low in the series before. Where like last week, I was talking about how it was one of the best stories they've ever told. They 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 hit a new high with with some aspects of it, particularly with that character, and did things with a character that I I didn't like and made me like that character more than I like a lot of characters that I previously liked before coming into the show, right? Like. <clears throat> they, they, they did amazing things and then they go to this. So I mean, like I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be critical and I'm going to point out what I like and what I don't like. But at the end of the day, it's my opinion and it doesn't take away from the team what they've done before. So I think that that's a really careful distinction that, that a lot of people don't make anymore when it comes to movies, they just want to throw out there that something's a piece of crap. And that person who did it is terrible. And everything they've ever done is terrible. And all of their movies are bad and all of their movies will be bad. Cause I mean, like, like I said, we'll go back to John Carter for a second. That movie was directed by Andrew Stanton who directed Wally. And, uh, and there's another Pixar film that, that he directed. It's not jumping to mind, but it was, it's another one of the, the, well-respected ones it's not like it's cars or something i don't think i hope i'm not wrong on that um i'll look it up really quick but he he directed like it, it, even if he only directed wally like that that is an incredible film that the the main protagonist never says a, says a word right like he, he doesn't right. even speak and and so like how are you gonna you can't you can't take anything away from a guy like that um let's see writer he like he wrote uh, a ton of stuff for uh for pixar but uh wally finding nemo a bug's life as co-director uh Mm -hmm. i mean like he's he's obviously an amazing talent and uh and and john carter is an amazing movie too but i don't know like people are just people are just gonna rip on it because they think they know better and they could do better. And, uh, and this is a prime example of it. So as much as I, I'm a fan of uh, fan edits and, uh, and people sort of taking things and adding to the movies and maybe making some choices that were, that are a little bit different, butchering the movie is, is another thing like going in and disrespecting the hard work and the talent of the people who put something together uh, that that's something that I it just it rubs me the wrong way 
Um, if if you want to cut down the prequels into a more concise format and and tell the story really quickly, I tell you what, make a trailer for all three movies and tell the story mm. as quickly as you can. If you can tell me the entire story of the prequels and have it all make sense and not leave me with any questions at the end of it, objectively, not from the point of view that we have, which is that we know everything that happens. Uh, but just objectively, if you break it down and study, if you could do that in under three minutes, then I'll give you some props. But 85 minutes, that's not even like that. I don't, I don't even know what to do with an 85 minute format. That's a, a Pixar movie is longer than 85 minutes, you know, like, <laughs> like a, a cartoon yeah, is longer crazy. than 85 minutes. That's not, that's not an accomplishment. Yeah, that's crazy how we got all three and do something that one is over two hours and he chopped this down to 85 minutes, which is crazy. And I don't know. I, I don't know if this is ever going to see the light of day, whether we're ever going to see it. But um, just like all the other fan edits, I wouldn't mind taking a look at it, knowing that it's just a fan edit. And, you know, I don't know whether you believe him or not, whether he's a, a big fan and he just wanted to, to try it out and or what his – you know what his motivation was behind that i don't know if we'll ever know but i think i think you said it right though that it's the armchair filmmaking yeah. out there nowadays yeah. um you know everybody thinks that they know better they can do better um that's a that's a that's a great way to put it is the arm, the armchair filmmaker i don't think i can say it any better than that you know um I, you know but like, yeah that's a, i i i will uh, admit to being an armchair critic, uh, uh, and and I don't know that that even is a thing that you could claim to be because what what are the qualifications of being a critic? You, you just have to be able to either talk knowledgeably about something or write knowledgeably about something. I choose to do it in podcast format and talk about it. You know, so I I, I don't know. Like I'll say amateur critic for sure. Uh, cause I'm not a professional, but, uh, an amateur filmmaker, but I would never claim to be a filmmaker outright, you know, like it's just a, or, or an editor because I took somebody else's hard work and I sliced and diced it into something that I think is cool. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It just, like I said, it just, it rubs me the wrong way. It, if you have to come out and defend it out of the gate and say like, now before you guys watch this, I just want you to know I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars geek and uh, this is just my take on it. To me, like that's just like that you know you've done something wrong and you just did it anyways. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're apologizing <laughs> at the outset and it's like you know, it, maybe if you have to explain yourself that much – then I uh, then you've taken a wrong turn somewhere, you know. Like if Kyle Newman came out and went, I just did a fan edit of episode one, episode two, and episode three, and I cut them down and they're a little bit tighter, and I added this part to the story and I took away this part of the story because it wasn't necessary. I uh, then I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, I'll, I'll totally, I'll totally give that a go. But if you want to come out and be like, I cut out all of this unnecessary stuff 
you know, like the whole plot involving the clones, then uh, mm-hmm. it, that it, like that's just disrespectful. And you can't how could how could you be uh, a big Star Wars fan if you cut out the part of the story that explains that they're clones? Because I'll tell you, if you're a big Star Wars fan, I don't care if you like the prequels or not. If you watch the three episodes about the the rookies, like like you know that started with the episode rookies, or retroactively mm-hmm. started with with the the story on Camino in the in the training facility, um, it, I don't I don't care if you're a huge fan or if you're just a, a Star Wars fan in general or just whatever. If you watch those three episodes, I defy you to tell me that they're bad. I defy you to tell me that that's not a compelling story and that those characters aren't worthwhile. So if you tell me that that story of the clones is unnecessary, then you're not a real Star Wars fan because the clones are the one of the best things that's come about because of the prequels. Mm-hmm. So I'll sit through Jake Lloyd and his terrible, terrible, terrible yippies and all that sort of stuff, as long as I get to the stuff that that's totally worth it, like clone troopers and Obi-Wan Kenobi riding a giant dragon lizard, you know, like and, and the things in the prequels that are awesome. Because I'll bet you anything, he cut out that entire part because I think that it said that Grievous isn't even in the in it at all. Right. So that yeah, means that Bogus exactly. is not in it, which means that I am out. I, I would mm. love for it to get released at some point for us to be able to see it so that I can confirm all of the things that I'm saying and be able to speak a little bit more knowledgeably about it rather than just about, you know, like the attitude of what he did. But uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think we're ever going to get to see the light. See, this will never see the light of day and we're not, not going to get to watch it. But uh, But I wish that it would so that, you know, I don't know. We should watch it and and confirm that it's probably not better. You know. You know nowadays you never know the way stuff leaks out and and you know you never know if we could see that. And I I just think that the eighty five minute thing is just way way too short for for the three (laughs) movies that together are what two almost seven hours. You know. It's there's just no it, it's just way you're cutting out like you said way yeah. too much, so I don't know it's like I said it won't, maybe we'll never see it maybe we will but you know if it does that'd be cool we can check it out and go yeah, yeah. you know this like you said kind of confirms well you know thing, what so. if if Topher Grace is such a huge Star Wars fan I then I'm sure he will be at the Orange County Convention Center sometime during uh, August 23rd to 26th of this summer, uh, which is 164 days, two hours, 43 minutes and 50 seconds away. Uh, just a quick, just, just cause we forgot that it's <laughs> off the show. Uh, so I'm sure that he'll be there and then I can talk to him about this and, uh, and you know, we yeah. can have, we can have a, a, a nice chat about it. Cause, <laughs> nice cause if chat. he's such a big fan that of course he's, I mean, if, if you're a big fan of star Wars and you have unlimited, no, not unlimited, but like if you've got the resources to be able to uh, to make it out to uh, to Star Wars Celebration, why would you not? You'd have to have a pretty good excuse not to be there. I mean, Kyle Newman will be there, yeah. <laughs> so you know, you know, yeah. Topher Grace is such a big fan. I'm sure he'll be there. 
Let's see him there. He'll be he'll be in disguise, of yeah. course. Of course, mask of on course. Or something. Yeah. See, this is for for the for the younger listeners out there. I'm being facetious, which is a kind of sarcasm <laughs> in a way. So again, much like a sycophant, you go go to dictionary.com and look up facetious, and uh, and and you'll have learned something. So you know, we've educated our our uh, our younger padawans. You're learning yeah. everybody today. It's an like occasional that. episode well, of Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast. <laughs> wow. Uh, I didn't know I was going to stir so much uh, up in you just by, uh, by putting it's that story had, in. It's had sure. a few days to percolate. I don't sink in. It oh, wasn't my initial go. reaction. My initial reaction was like, oh, that's interesting. And then the more that I thought about it, I was like, that's kind of kind of douchey. Just a yeah. little bit. But. Well, we'll turn it around. We'll turn it around with this yes. last thing. And, uh, you know, it's going to be summertime. And uh, if you're like me, you like to occasionally enjoy a, a soda or a, a Mountain Dew or maybe even a, an adult beverage now and again. And if you do, why not check out this R2-D2 can cooler? Okay. And I know everybody's seen these. He's been around for ages. I mean, these were around when I was a kid. I mean, my dad used to put his Budweiser's in, in you know, Budweiser little things like this. So... It is a R2-D2, just like it says, it's a can cooler, and it's not available yet. You can find it at iconcollectibles.com. It's, uh, you can pre-order it actually now. It's coming out in June, and uh, basically it's just the R2-D2 body. Um, it's got that same, you know, all the, the paint job and everything. It just doesn't have the legs and, the, and the, the dome. But you put your soda in there or whatever. keeps your soda cold. Who would not want one of those? Come on. Yes. You got to get one. <laughs> very cool. Right? Very, very cool. And like a like a, a premium can cooler. Yes. Like this is not yes. a cheap little, you know, just like a little piece of. Uh, no, it's metal. Yeah, on the like outside. it's metal on the outside. It's got a nice base to it. And then it looks like it really would actually insulate and keep your drink cool. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, very cool item. Uh, June 2012, that might be a little bit late. You know, because like, because everybody will, summer will already be in full swing. Uh, just in time for, but, uh, but yeah, six. hopefully, I was just gonna say, hopefully, some <laughs> a vendor at at Celebration Six will have them for us, yeah. to pick up, maybe, maybe, you know, so that we can sit by the pool. Uh, not that you'd ever want to be outside in Orlando in August, but uh, we can sit in our room and uh, and enjoy a, a cold, uh, frosty yes. beverage. Frosty beverage. Um, All right. Anything? Anything else you want to hit before? Yes. We... Uh, two things. So, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Two so things. first off, I'm gonna let everybody know because I, I, I told my friend that I would that uh, I appeared on a an internet uh, game show. I guess I okay. It called Game to Win, uh, and I'm just double checking the URL. It is Game to Win TV. So uh, if you okay. go there, like the episode that's embedded right now, oh, maybe not. It's, it hasn't been updated there. But if you go there and then you click on their YouTube link, you can go to the latest episode, uh, which is the third episode of the series. Um, and I'm on that show competing. I, I, I won't okay. tell you if I won the entire competition or not, but I can tell you I won mm -hmm. it at least one round. And by one, I mean like like dominated, like like kicked everybody's butts, uh, okay. and uh, so you'll have to tune into that to see which round and uh, if it was the last round. 
uh, or not. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would I, I would love it if everybody could go over there, give them a little bit of love because uh, they're they've just started out, just sort of finding their groove and developing a fan base and that sort of thing. Uh, very cool concept. Uh, th- there used to be a TV show up here in Canada called Video and Arcade Top Ten. I, I don't know if, if uh, anybody ever in the States that ever got to see that show. Maybe if you lived like close to the border and you, you got to pick it up on one of the stations. But uh, it's kind of like that. Uh, and I don't know if there's any sort of American version of, of that concept in the 90s. But uh, it's it's pretty much just four, four people competing uh, in various video games to win prizes. So uh, check that out at gametowin.tv. And uh, and you can also All just right. search it on uh, on YouTube, uh, Game to Win, and I think they're on Facebook as well. Uh, so so check that out. And then the second thing is that I just want to give a really quick uh, review of John Carter, uh, which is the inappropriately titled film, uh, which should be called John Carter of Mars, uh, which is based on the novel uh, A Princess of Mars uh, by Edgar Rice Burroughs which is, as we've kind of mentioned in the last couple of weeks, uh, sort of the precursor to all modern science fiction fantasy. So uh, George Lucas himself has been quoted as saying that, that uh, he got a lot of inspiration for Star Wars from John Carter of Mars. Uh, well, from the series, mm-hmm. the, the Barsoom series. And uh, mm-hmm. this movie is something that if you're a Star Wars fan... You need to, you, you know what? Just stop the podcast right now. I completely <laughs> forgive you for it. This there is like, this, I, I, there are not a lot of things that I'll say this, but you can just stop right now or, you know, just listen as you're on your way to the movie theater because you, you need to see this movie if you're a Star Wars fan. This, this is, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny uh, sort of creature. If I could use that analogy, because it the story, the original story of of a princess of Mars and the subsequent the, the other uh, ten stories that came after, um, they're they're the the original formula and uh, foundation for science fiction and fantasy. So, Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers so many other things that would come afterwards, including Star Wars, The Last Starfighter, uh, countless uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, just, I, I mean, too many things to name are so influenced by this story and by these characters and this form of storytelling that you watch the movie and it's it's funny because it, it just it starts there it informs all of these things it's a hundred years old this year which is something that the commercials for the movie don't tell you so this is a story mm-hmm. that's a hundred years old it's a century old and it's sort of come full circle where where uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote these stories inspired an entire generation that inspired another generation that inspired another generation. And some would say probably even another one. And we get to the point now where that that vision is finally something that you can put on screen. And uh, and only because of how influential 
that first story was uh, to to the, the the people who created these other science fiction series that we that we know and love. Like I said, Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, which then moves into Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I, I mean, and Star Trek also being heavily influenced by it. Uh, and, 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 you know, so many things after that, uh, that, that would just come, come about because of a film like Star Wars coming out, um, and the advancements in technology and all of that stuff that gets us to the point where you can tell that story, that original story that, that sort of created the rest of these stories, uh, you can, you can do it justice and, uh, they do. They they do it absolute justice. Now I need to actually read the original stories. Um, I've read comic books uh, from back in the day from from like ancient comic book collections because, uh, in fact, Warlords of Mars, Warlord of Mars, or Warlords of Mars, I can't remember, uh, is uh, was actually a Marvel title, a Marvel Comics title, um, and it sort of it's that same era as the Star Wars comics. Uh, that were that were done by Marvel. So, uh, you know, I I've, I've had countless boxes of old, you know, trash comics uh, over the years, oh, yeah. and read some of Warlord of Mars, uh, and you know, like the 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 John Carter of Mars series. So, like, I have a little bit of familiar familiarity with it uh, going into the movie, but not the original story. Um, and I mean, I read those when I was a kid, but just like the every everything that's in this movie is part of the original vision. It's not like other adaptations that uh, that take something and really reinterpret it and sort of put a different spin on it and give it a different uh, different attitude or a different allegory to to fit up with modern times stuff like that. Um, this is like, it's, it's intact. They, it's, they paid a lot of respect to the, to the source material in making this movie. Um, obviously there's a lot cut out because when you tell a story in a book, uh, for 150 ish pages, you have a lot more time to go into to the nitty gritty of what's going on. And, and with science fiction and fantasy, that's, um, that's often where the meat of, of the genre lies, uh, and they, and they don't get the opportunity to do as much of that in this movie as 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 one would hope, I guess. But it's a fairly long movie, um, but worth it. Like it, it's it, it. Some people are saying that it drags in parts, but I think that they're sort of inappropriately labeling it as as slow and dragging when what it really is is just trying to actually tell the story uh <laughs> because nowadays people just kind of want they want transformers right like they just want a stupid storyline that they can digest easily that gets you from plot point to plot point to plot point and so you can just you know have giant robots fighting and i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that uh, there was a trailer for avengers that that preceded john carter that got me so excited that like I could feel tears welling up in my eyes. I was just so happy to see those characters all on the big screen together. But I can tell you for a fact that like there will be like that movie will be fast paced, quick cut, 
uh, let's move from this point to this point to this point to this point. Just like, let's get through the story as opposed to letting those moments and those characters breathe for a second, which, uh, which is something that Tron legacy did and, uh, and the original Tron did and, and a lot of other great movies from years gone by, uh, particularly like really great genre stuff. Like Willow does it in a few mo in a few parts. Uh, the last starfighter has a few great, like sort of cool down moments where you get to know the characters. Um, and it's something that's missing from movies nowadays. And, and so I, I really worry that people are going to take the, the more relaxed moments of this movie and mistake them for a slow plot. And it's like, it's not that the plot is slow. It's that there's a lot of stuff to develop and uh, re personal relationships between characters that, uh, you know what, if it moved quickly, you'd be complaining of the way that you complain about Attack of the Clones. So either mm -hmm. those, those character relationships get, get time to, to move and breathe, or you end up with what we have at Attack of the Clones, which is a very rushed, all of a sudden these characters are in love with each other and we didn't get to see any of the interesting part of that. Because um, again, you want a movie that's got some slow parts to it. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is really slow in the middle, but it's not that it's bad. It just ch chills right. out and takes it back a step. And the stakes are still there. The, like, you know, the, the, our characters are still in peril, but they manage to get away from the immediate danger and just sort of get to know each other for five seconds. And one of the best love stories in science fiction and fantasy uh, is created in that time. So, so give that part of the movie a chance when you go see it. And... Uh, Everything else about it is off the charts awesome. Um, the the actors are all do a great job. There's some really top notch performances. Uh, a voice performance by Willem Dafoe as Tars Tarkas, who's like the leader of the uh, of the big green nine foot tall Martian four armed warrior people. Uh, and I I. I Taylor Kitsch, I think is his name. Uh, a sort of a, a, a first time out for him as, as a, I think a leading character in a movie like this carries the movie really well. Uh, it's got awesome humor in it. It's got wicked special effects that put parts of star Wars to shame, I think actually. Uh, and uh, it just amazing design. Everything about this movie I loved. So uh, if you agree with my opinions, on a weekly basis, when you listen to this podcast, then you need to go out and see this movie. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you were all over uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook, um, and I was like, "Wow, he really liked yeah. this movie, and it looks darn good." So, I, it didn't really surprise me. So, uh, this is kind of like my my type of movie, anyway. And the kids, my kids, are like all pumped up to go see it. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to to that. And with that. With what you said, hey, I'm even more looking forward to it. So, it's 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 good stuff. Yeah, like you said, on the Twitter today, you were praising praising that John Carter of Mars. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Well, I I <laughs> I, I took a, the day and uh, and sort of dedicated my Tumblr to to uh, mm. to the movie because I enjoyed it so much. And I just the the okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to be perfectly honest with everybody. It only did 30 million at the box office over the weekend. 
which is not a very good showing for a movie like this. I I think the the estimates were in the low end, but they were expecting it to make about 34, 35, and it only made 30. So uh, even at 34, 35, it was going to essentially be considered a flop or a failure. Um, it took second place to the box office, but it took second place to the Lorax, which was which debuted a week before it. So um, yeah, you'd expect right. a big budget movie like that to do a lot be better. Yeah. So one yeah. of the reasons why I'm so hard promoting it is because I feel really guilty that I didn't get out ahead of this movie and and do these sorts of things with the audience that we have and the people that that, that uh, you know I can uh, I don't want to say influence because you guys are all your own human beings but you know I just sort of put my two cents out there and you guys can do with it what you will but uh, but I didn't really do that before the movie came out. And I feel kind of bad because I'm getting a lot of feedback of people going like, oh, yeah, is it good? Because I was kind of thinking about it over the weekend, but then I decided not to because I didn't really hear anything about it. And the trailers and commercials looked kind of eh. So if I had been out ahead of this a little bit more and sort of like getting people amped up for it, I think that uh, that I mean, I'm not saying that I could have influenced it all that much, but. It's the viral thing, right? If I could have influenced two more people to go out and see it Friday night, they could have, you know, gone home Friday night and gone on Twitter and Facebook and told their friends. And then their friends could have gone Saturday and then told their friends to go Sunday. And it's like, well, I left it all the way until Sunday and then didn't get excited about it until Sunday night and then Monday morning. So I, I kind of feel feel bad. So I'm hoping that, like, if if it can maintain for a second weekend... Uh, and maybe even pick up a little bit more, uh, then uh, then maybe it won't be considered such a huge uh, disappointment. Kind of like with Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy had a really bad opening weekend, but then picked up as it went on and uh, and sort of maintained. And when a movie can maintain from week to week, that's considered really rare. So uh, I'm hoping that myself... And the other people out there who enjoyed the movie over the weekend can get out there. And uh, so uh, that, I guess, also says if you saw the movie over the weekend and you enjoyed it, get on Twitter and Facebook and tell all of your friends to go see it. Because there are 11 books in the series, and this movie only covers one of those books. So, mm-hmm. like, you want to talk about a franchise that could go on for a little while? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Lord of the Rings is done. Star Wars is done. Harry Potter is done. Uh, Hunger Games is just starting up, which I think has more than one book in the series. Uh, I think it's a three-book series. But uh, even, you know what, even Twilight is done. You know, what is there? What's left? Well, you know, this this is what's out there. So, so if, <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, if if Tron Legacy can, can be considered uh, a flop out of the gate, and uh, but then still pick up, maintain, and uh, and then end up getting you know a TV series that starts next month with micro series episodes or something like that, and then another movie slated for 2014. We can do the same thing for John Carter of Mars. So, uh, so all of you Star Wars fans need to get out there see it, and then tell all of the other Star Wars fans that you know that don't listen to Frontlines, which is kind of ridiculous because like if they're not listening to Frontlines and they're Star Wars fans and they're your friends 
you you need to tell them to listen to Frontlines also, but I, <laughs> uh, you need to tell them to get out and see this movie. So, Flugfest over. I uh, we I, I I've been rambling on and on enough. So let's get into the recap so I can tear this episode apart. All right, here we go. A disturbance in the force theory. Is it possible to learn this power? They like me believe him to be the chosen one. Times. Up. I sense there's something here. The army has assembled Count Dooku. The Mon Calamari system must not fall into Separatist hands. All troops, battle stations! This isn't gonna be easy. We'll disintegrate for sure! Suck it up, shiny. I will attack the Dabu. <laughs> I will return, mother. I want you. I don't work for free. Long have Sith Empire has been built upon the backs of slaves. Anakin has struggled to put his past behind him. I'll keep an eye on him. Bow down, Jedi filth. Welcome to Death Watch. All right, here we go with brothers. Count Dooku, Count Dooku's bitter betrayal of his former apprentice, Asaz Ventress, resulted in the creation of a new menace in the galaxy, Savage Opress. Caught in a deadly game of revenge between Ventress and Dooku, Savage barely escapes the carnage. Beaten and alone, he returned to Mother Talzin, his creator who gave him a new quest to pursue his long-lost brother. So here we are, brothers. The long-awaited yeah. return of Darth Maul to the Star Wars series, who is thought dead, uh, only to be seen afterwards in a, in a non-canon story in the book Star Wars Visionaries. And Visionaries, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. actually in the form that we're going to see him in next week, uh, or very, very right. close to. Uh and uh, and so he's back in this episode, and uh, and I think that that we've all been uh, eagerly awaiting this, and uh, particularly with some of the ramp up in storytelling, the last mm-hmm. the last few stories, um, uh, the uh, the the Obi Wan story that we just had uh, being one of them, the tail end of the Asajj Ventress story, uh, as well as some other ones from season. For that really sort of picked up uh, uh, the season and and made it a really stellar season. I'd still say that season two is is maintaining as as the best season of the series so far. But I uh, mm-hmm. but season four I think might be following close Pretty behind close, huh? on that. So yeah. I mean we we got some really great stuff. Um, uh, let's just. Because we're going into the season finale next week, let's just do a really quick recap here of what we've had so far this okay. season before we get into talking about this episode too much. Uh, we had Water War Gungan Attack and Prisoners, which was the uh, the whole uh, Mon Cal storyline. Uh, then we had Shadow Warrior, which was uh, one-off. Mercy Mission, which was one-off. And Nomad Droids, which was one-off. Even though... Mercy Mission and, and uh, Nomad Droids kind of felt like like they were connected uh, because they were both about R2 and 3PO. Um, right. 
so so far so good. I mean, so far some some pretty great uh, stories. Uh, maybe not the kind of episodes that we wanted when it comes to something like Mercy Mission and Nomad Droids, but not bad, right? Uh, then we go into the Umbara quadrilogy: uh, Darkness on Umbara, the General, uh, Plan of Descent, and Carnage of Krell, which has mm-hmm. a bit of a lackluster start, but then takes a little bit of a cool turn doesn't really linger in that cool place for long enough in my opinion uh and then goes into carnage of krell which has some great story in it capped off with some real cop-outs and in my opinion again uh and i know you were a big fan of this this arc um you really enjoyed Mm -hmm. it from the outset so uh there was that and then we go into which one of the best three episodes of the series so far, uh, the best three story arc, uh, kidnapped, uh, taken from the comics, uh, 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 an almost direct translation from the comics, uh, kidnapped slaves of the Republic and escape from Kadabo, uh, which mm-hmm. show Anakin in a very interesting light in a, in a very interesting situation. And we get to see a little bit more of, of how he deals with, uh, his past, and uh, his feelings about his mother and and all of that sort of thing, uh, and then we get a, a, just a totally stellar standalone episode. Uh, happens to take place on a snowy planet, just like another awesome episode of the series, uh, "A Friend in Need," which I think we can all agree was was just a real standout episode this season, um, particularly because all they took was twenty two minutes to tell an awesome, awesome storyline that developed Ahsoka a lot more than any other storyline, I think, for her so far in the series. Uh, and uh, and sort of let her go and have her own adventure without any other Jedi assistance, which which, uh, which I think we kind of overlooked when we talked about that episode, that, that she's kind of on her own and does her own thing, even though she's with... Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, what's his name? What's the guy's name? Oh, uh, the um, yeah. Of course, do you see now? Yeah, I'm because I've blank. asked you your time. Uh, yeah, is it Lutz? Lutz, uh, Lutz Bonteri. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, great episode there. And then we get into the, the Obi-Wan storyline, like I was just saying, with Deception, Friends and Enemies, uh, The Box, and Crisis on Naboo. Very cool storyline. Uh, a whole lot of Cad Bane, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, a whole lot of James no. Arnold Taylor. And just a just a really cool story to tell, <coughs> even though it's got its slow parts and uh, and and plot inconsistencies with the rest of the Star Wars universe. Maybe not a perfect fit for the Clone Wars, but a really great story. So, uh, really cool there. And then we've got Massacre, not a very good episode. Bounty, one of the best episodes of the series. In my uh, probably in my top five now, uh, or uh, yeah, wow. uh, yeah, I'd say probably in my top five. Uh, and then we get to brothers. So I mean, like that's sort of the roller coaster ride that this season has been of up and down, highs and and lows. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, may, maybe this is an indication of of the rhythm of things to come. Uh, maybe it's remnants of of the wrinkles of last season, although I don't think so because there really aren't a lot of callbacks to season three, uh, with the exception of maybe the story with Lutz. Um, 
and obviously some general stuff like Anakin turning to the dark side, but that's an overall story arc. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, like it's just up and down, up and down, up and down. And, uh, and, and the series almost felt a little bit directionless this season. And when you come to these last two episodes, now I can't speak for, for revenge because we haven't seen it yet. Um, mm. But if it if Brothers is any indication of how Revenge is going to play out, and the clip that we've seen of Revenge so far, uh, this is and last season season finale with Chewbacca, I just feel like this is going to be a real lackluster end to what has otherwise been a pretty good season, um, even with some of the lows that it's had. I think if you average it out, it it ends up being like I said, probably the second best season of the series so far, but just so inconsistent from week to week. Um, and this episode is a really good indicator of that. We went from the high of bounty last week to just right. this total pit. Uh, excuse the pun. Cause, uh, cause we literally <laughs> do go down into some pits in this episode, but uh, right yeah. off the bat, I mean, I can sum up the entire episode for you in about two seconds. Savage Press goes to find Darth Maul and finds him. He's kind of crazy. That's it. <laughs> That's, That's it. it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for yeah. some reason, Anakin and Ahsoka show up in this episode. For some reason, Count Dooku gets more than just a mention in the opening crawl. I. Uh, the opening crawl being the, the news reel portion. Um, for some reason, there's a snake alien person that, that Ugh. crawls around in the episode and distracts us from some, from, from moving the story yeah. forward. And for some reason, Savage press kills some, uh, I don't know, junk, junk, junk dealer. Robot. Junkers. I couldn't tell if they were robots yeah. or if they were aliens. I guess they were a hybrid of the two. I. Uh, mm. But here's the thing, I really don't care. You know, I. I it, oh, you better yeah. watch out for the fire breathers. Why? They're really big mm -hmm. and they easy to avoid, and they were only an issue for about two seconds, and then we never saw them for the yeah. rest of the episode. So, th thanks for telling me, but that's like, that's like, I don't know. I, I don't even have an analogy for it because it's just so completely, yeah. I don't know, pointless. So just like, like this episode, <laughs> just just absolutely no reason why it took 22 minutes to tell this story other than the fact that yeah. they felt like it needed to take 22 minutes to tell this story. So talk about filler. Yeah, I mean you – know. This is this is the epitome right here. I mean, like you said, it was just, yeah. Why? I mean, we already knew that Savage was going to find yeah. his brother, and I, you know, I don't know if they're going to go back and tell us. Well, you know what? I, I should. Well, I'll wait. I'm going to wait and, and say some things. I'm going to try, Mike, to play the devil's okay. advocate for you. Okay. okay? I'm going to try to. <laughs> it's yeah, be don't tough don't get I, me wrong, and I'll say this right now: there are some good parts to this episode. Uh, we've already talked about Sam Witwer, uh, Clancy Brown. Yeah. Always, 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 always awesome. Even if he has yeah. next to no dialogue in an episode, and the dialogue that he has is kind of pointless. I. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, uh, we, we got a couple of, uh, I, well, not a couple, but like a, a, a new species interacting. We got a look at at a different sort of location for five minutes of, of the episode uh, before we go to the junk planet. And uh, I don't know, some, some definitely some worthwhile stuff in there, but mostly just. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it just all the the good definitely did not outweigh yeah. the bad that was going on in this. And there was way more that I didn't like than yeah. I did. So, but we'll get there. Um, go General ahead, go ahead, Grievous returns to Count Dooku's palace on Sereno after slaughtering the Night Sisters on Dathomir. Despite Grievous's victory, the Count is troubled. He senses that Savage Opress is growing stronger and that something sinister will soon be unleashed, which will pose a threat to both the Sith and the Jedi. So, I mean, like, it, maybe one of the problems is that we know exactly where this is going and we just want to get there. So taking all the time that they take to unravel this as it goes and and, uh, and sort of play it out in in longer notes than it should be, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it just ends up being tedious and annoying. Because, again, like I said, we didn't, like... It's been two episodes since the Night Sister slaughter on Dathomir, right? Well, not mm-hmm. it's been one episode and then an episode off and then back, right? So that was two episodes ago. We know what happened. We saw it. We don't need a recap from General Grievous, uh, and we don't need Dooku to let us know that something sinister is coming. We already know the second that you say a Savage Opress is in the episode, which we already have in the opening crawl, we know what this is what this is gonna be. We know that this is gonna be him finding Darth Maul. We've known that mm-hmm. since last year, right? Halfway through the season last year. So so right, what's right. the point of this scene? Other than to include yeah. Dooku and remind I think the only point for me is wariness around the whole thing. Well, the only the only thing that I that I had, had noticed was that this is this first scene is is a is going to be something that we're going to visit two more times with different yeah. characters, and that the power of maybe Savage and Darth Maul and this whole thing is is so great that the, that the threat is so great that everyone is starting to feel this this um, what they call it the. Uh, uh, I don't even know what he, I can't remember what he said. Just the threat is yeah. out there, you know, sinister. That's what he, you know, everybody's feeling it. And we're going to see this in a couple more times. And I think that was the only thing that everybody's starting to feel this. And did you notice that the, uh, the first, well, the first thing I noticed was that the Clone Wars logo was in red. Did you notice I did, that? You know what? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they changed the color from uh, blue to red. I popped out of me right when I started watching it. So I thought that was interesting, but I think, I think, uh, you know, like I said, that was the only part of that scene with Dooku was it's like, oh, hey, that, yeah, there's something sinister, and and the power of these yeah. two is starting to uh, infiltrate and uh, and to get out there. In the, in but the you know what? Bit, if, so. if that's the <clears> case, <throat> then I don't want to hear from Dooku about it. I want to hear from Palpatine about it, right? Because mm-hmm. Dooku's yeah. a puppet. Like we we know that we know his fate in in uh, Revenge of the Sith. He's just being manipulated like everybody else. He's not like mm-hmm. Palpatine. He's not this great mastermind. He's uh, 
his strings are being pulled by somebody else, right? Every time he does something devious, it's a it's a it's a trickle down, right? Like when Grievous comes up with a great plan, he's not the one who came up with it. Palpatine's the one who came up with it, and then he sowed the seeds in in Dooku, who gave the order to Grievous. You know, like it's it's right. like that's the way that the stories have have sort of unfolded. Uh, that's not to say that Dooku's not a formidable opponent in his own right and an interesting character. He definitely is, but uh, he's not the voice that I want to hear from. If something is so incredibly strong and evil that it's sending out ripples across the entire galaxy, right? Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I want to hear from the guy yeah. who's pulling all yeah, those strings, boss. but. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's that's kind of what I what I pulled out of that, and, and it's weird because this this thing does jump around like we go from scene to scene like really quick. And, it's, and here's another one: uh, an angered Savage Press tramples through a diner at an outer rim spaceport. Frustrated and wearied by his fruitless quest, he crashes into a back alley after terrorizing the din- diner's patrons. In a dark and loading area, Savage finds that the dust caked onto some nearby storage crates causes his talisman to glow. Savage takes this as a clue that he's finally on the right track. And this is a scene where I, I, I was like, what was yeah. the point of that one? Why is, he, why is he even choking somebody? Why, what's the purpose yeah. of that? You know, and there was a lot of scenes that, for me, like that. I was like, I, I, we've already talked about why. You know, why do we have to have that? I, I have no idea. It's... Uh, but again, the talisman is alive. I mean, that's the only thing I got of that yeah. was just like I guess the, I guess the dust from the junk planet is on these crates, and the talisman is glowing. So he's following the dust and the talisman yeah. glowing. So that's how we're gonna find him. Okay. So I got that part. Uh, go uh, ahead, Mike. Next. On Tatooine, Asajj Ventress enjoys enjoys some downtime with Lats Raz, uh, Razzy, uh, at the most Isley Cantina. When the doors a door opens and two regular patrons walk in, Asajj suddenly becomes tense and whips around to face them. Lats is troubled by her friend's sudden change in demeanor. Ventress explains that she felt the distant presence of a monster from her past. So here's uh now she here again. Now now Ventress is feeling this thing, you know, she's obviously still pretty powerful in the force and she's feeling it. But here's what I got out of this episode this particular scene is I'm kind of surprised to see her still hanging out with yeah. Rosie and stuff because what her declaration at the last episode was, she, you know, she had this new yeah. purpose in life, right? At the end of Bounty, but wait a minute, she's still hanging around with Bounty in, hunters in like Mosaicly. So on Tatooine, yeah, like exactly. yeah. So what, never, was, what was the point yeah. of the credits if you're just gonna go hang out in a slum on Tatooine, right? Like that's yeah. like Mosaicly is where you go when. You know, you're looking for a job, not when you've just finished a successful job and you're going to go like because we talked about this last week. The feeling that I got is that she's going to walk away from everything else. Right. Like she's on her own Mm -hmm. path now. And she like that was the feeling that I got is that like she's done with the war. She's done with being a Sith, with being a night sister, with being a bounty hunter, with being a Jedi. She's just like anybody else out in the galaxy, uh, just, just trying to get by and live a life. Uh, and, and maybe I like, I don't know. I felt like based on her actions, the fact that she saves 
the princess at the end of the episode, uh, that maybe she was that she was ready to go, you know, find some peace and and sort of, right. I don't know, just just get centered and and live a life and just be be normal and uh, and obviously that wouldn't make for a very interesting story when we see her again, unless that normality gets uh, shaken up somehow. Um, and Darth Maul and Savage Opress are exactly the characters to do that, right? Because Savage has every right to be pissed off with Asajj Ventress. Uh, and uh, and, and uh, there's an interesting story there to tell. But, uh, but yeah, this, this little two-second scene leads me to believe that that's not the way that the character is going and that we, we, she's just going to end up back in conflict again and uh, nothing will have changed for her as a character. Uh, except except I that not. she's not Dooku's apprentice anymore. She's not a night sister and she's not a bounty hunter, but she'll be off doing something and get into conflict somehow. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but, but like I, you said, another almost pointless scene it the, the 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 thing with these two scenes between uh asajj and uh and dooku uh and they're they're sort of sensing a tremor in the force is that it could as well as the last one that we'll see at the end of the episode uh those parts of the story could have been very easily established in the opening crawl Right, they they could have just mm-hmm. been part of that. They they yeah. right. uh, that Dooku and Ventress, the 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 ones responsible for this monster, are still like inextricably tied to him, and they can sense the, that his power is growing, and that you know his his allegiance with his brother is going to be, you know, it's going to be bad for the galaxy as a whole. It's not going to mm-hmm. be a good thing. Yeah. So I don't know. Like that, it, it, it just seems like we didn't need to spend the time on that. And if you don't, if you don't spend the time on that, you don't spend the time on uh, the, the scene between those two. You don't spend the time on a scene coming up. And like, you don't spend the time. Yeah. It kind of wandering effect, through yeah. <laughs> the wastes. You could very easily very easily spend all of that time either in this episode or in the next episode talking about how Darth Maul is driven by one sole thing, his hatred of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. And like, if we develop that part, when these two characters face each other in the next episode, that's going to have a little bit of gravitas for us. Right. But yeah, Again, based on the clip that we've seen from the next episode, it just kind of happens. It's just kind of there. Yeah, it's just just like just well, like Chewbacca theory. showing up in in the end of last season. There was no point to it being Chewbacca. He didn't bring anything to the episode that another character couldn't have brought. There was nothing that affected how we feel about Chewbacca, what that character means to us, or anything. It was just throwing in Chewie to throw in Chewie. Right. And I feel like that's exactly where this is going is that it's just throwing in Darth Maul to throw in Darth Maul. Episode one came out in 3d next year. It'll be 
Dexter Jetster. I don't know. It'll be somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I, I can see where you, you can see a pattern developing there, but I really hope that they didn't, they're not going to do this. And I, I have a theory about Asajj, too, of maybe where she's going, um, just kind of from this episode and what we've seen in the last two. And I'll mention that uh, in a little bit. Uh, Savage follows the dust to a docked junk hauler. He climbs aboard and forces the pilot to return to his point of origin, the trash world of Lotho Minor. Uh, Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano, looking for a bite to eat, arrive at the diner just as the chaos is brought under control. A grateful cook offers them a meal on the house. Anakin senses a disturbance in the Force, the return of something familiar and threatening. So, uh, like, again, oh, oh. Uh, again, oh, completely pointless scene. But, yeah, you've got some audio, so let's, <laughs> let's take a listen. Let's see if this is pointless. Master. Anakin. I sense uh, disturbance. Something sinister. All the way out here? Yes. Do you know what or who it is? No, but whatever it is, it feels familiar. And Anakin, like Dooku, senses something sinister. Actually, we get this four times, so this is the third time already. So, uh, but, you know, the best part of this scene was I got to hear the force. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, I mean, I I mean... If that's the best, he, yeah, the score as always but, excellent. I mean, like, like we say, like, yeah. there's some really great things in this episode. Uh, the moment, why did they stumble? Well, the, this? The, 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 this scene gets a pass for me, if only for the fact that Anakin has the line. Ahsoka's like, "Why are we eating here?" And he's like, he pretty much says, like, just like every intelligent person on this planet has said at one point or another. You know, if you're not a pretentious snob all the best places to eat are the worst looking places. Yeah. Like, yeah, like <laughs> dive. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to get a good burger at a place that's spick and span. You're going to get a good burger at a place that smells like grease, right? <laughs> like it, it's, yeah. that's just, it's a fact of, of the universe. And, uh, that's very apparent in this episode that even as far reaching as uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the best place to eat is still in some sleazy diner in a backwater planet, uh, you know, yeah. off the beaten path because that's where, that's where it matters, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. you know, like that, that yeah. line to me was fantastic. Uh, it really didn't need to be Anakin. Didn't need to be Ahsoka. Didn't need to be in this episode. Yeah. But, uh, but there it is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. As a junk dealer, as a junk hauler approaches Lotho Minor, Savage casually tosses the pilot out of the airlock. He lands the ship amid the trash fields and proceeds on foot. His amulet's glow suddenly winks out and Savage roars in fury. But why? <laughs> yeah, because he's lost, well, I guess. Why? Like, you know. again. Uh, <laughs> Why? Like this, this yeah, just feels yeah. like a stalling tactic so that we can stress yeah, this episode out yeah. for 22 minutes. Just like putting in Anakin and yeah. Ahsoka at the diner. Just like putting in the diner. There was no point for Savajo Press to run through the diner and beat yeah, people up. It, yeah. Like, Choke somebody. It, it, yeah. Just, it, it baffles the mind why 
these yeah, I don't things know. were in the episode. Know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Lothal Minor, you know, it kind of gave me the the uh I kind of was reminded of uh I think it was Rax's Prime and the Force and the Least, kind of that yeah, junk, yeah, fiery, or burning. The original junk everywhere. planet, Ord Mantel, uh, uh which we Yeah. Had that yeah, hellish yeah, appearance, uh, you know. I think the first time we ever really get to see Ord Mantel or get get the uh, explanation of it is in uh uh Shadows of the Empire. Um Mm-hmm. particularly in the video yeah. game on the N64, you get to go to Ord Mantel and uh, as Dash Rendar. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Yet, yet another junk yeah, planet in the uh, Star Wars universe. <laughs> a perfect place for a Sith to hide. Okay, there you go. I don't know. I guess, yeah, I, That's all I can get. <laughs> I'm reaching here. <laughs> uh, out of the garbage slithers morally a peculiar... Anacondon, who offers to guide Savage to the treacherous junk world. The snake-like creature claims to have heard old legends of a horned man much like Savage. With no other leads, Savage reluctantly follows the alien. And again, this is where it kind of just really yeah. drops off for me. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Now we got a stinking snake talking. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like Disney, like a bad yeah. Disney cartoon or a nightmare yeah. or something. I'm like... It just really, it really took me out of the story. Not like I was fully invested in the story yeah. at this point, but this really yeah. just pulled me out. I'm like, oh my gosh! I mean, if oh, if I, it had been a character that didn't talk, that would be more interesting. If it was an actual creature, mm-hmm. like if if a sinister looking snake creature, like and and something that looks a little bit more alien and less like just a snake with bobbly eyes. Uh, if it had yeah. been like a really alien creature that sort of came out and and uh, somehow Savage got the impression that this creature was the key to finding Darth Maul, that would have been a much more interesting way to tell this story. You know, um, mm-hmm. there's a show that follows a very similar rhythm to how this episode goes if you cut out all of the cameos and you just deal with the Savage Opress story and it's one of the greatest animated series of all time and it has a Star Wars connection and that series is Samurai Jack uh, which was created by Gennady Tartakovsky who did the micro series Uh, and that show was a show where uh, nothing would happen in an entire episode and our character would just go from mm-hmm. one place to another place on his journey to find a way back to his home, to, to the past. Because he's a samurai flung into the future where a Japanese demon has taken over the entire planet. So mm-hmm. that, that way of telling a story, what I just said, where, you know, like this creature that we don't even talk to and... Savage doesn't it doesn't even have to say a thing to it or maybe one line or you know preferably nothing I uh, that could have been an interesting story like there's there's mm-hmm. your nugget of what could have been in this episode can you imagine if this episode would have started just with Savage on this planet, we don't need to know why he's here. Or we already understand why he's here because we know what his quest is. We don't need to hear any of the backstory of him getting there. 
we don't need to see anything. We don't need an explanation of anything. We know he's there. He's got the talisman that's going to lead him to, to Darth Maul. If anything, you just remind us of those little plot points in the, in the crawl. And then just the whole episode, silent. Like, no dialogue. Until you get to the very end, and Darth Maul is just this babbling wreck of a man that's just completely broken. Mm-hmm. And so you've had an entire episode of like nothing, of no dialogue, of not hearing anything, and just visually getting a story, and then just bombarded with the insane rambling of a just just completely broken individual. That would be powerful storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Like that—that's yeah, something right. that you could do to me. That you could take twenty-two minutes, not tell any story, and then get to it, and I would go, oh. That's why it was like that, you know? But in order to do that, you'd have to cut out all of the cameos. You'd have to make Morley not a a speaking character. And you would have to rely solely on the visuals. Now, this is Star Wars we're talking about. We're on a flaming junk planet. I'm pretty sure they could have pulled that off. You know? And I'm (laughs) I'm pretty sure that, uh, that Dave Filoni could do it and he could do it incredibly well and and that would be a wicked tribute to uh to the micro series and to Gennady Tartakovsky I mean heck bring in Gennady Tartakovsky to direct a, a, an episode of the series you know and and to put his stamp on on this version of the Clone mm-hmm. Wars I uh, do something mm-hmm. like that you know like like if we're gonna do different stories every week or every couple of weeks push it push the envelope a little bit, you know, kind of like they did Mm. in the first season. The first season really pushed the envelope of what kind of a story you could tell in star Wars. And I feel like at this point we've just reverted back to telling the stories that star Wars stories tell. Now the clone wars is no different than the comic books or the novels or any of Mm. the other expanded universe stuff. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. It's just that it was so much better. They were doing so much yeah. more with it. Um, even like last week is an example of them doing more with that story and those characters within the world of Star Wars and that format than, than they have before, you know? And then to just kind of revert back to... Uh, not even revert back to. I mean, like I'll I'll say right now, halfway through through this recap, this is the worst episode of the series. Yeah, you said that earlier too. Like, before we started, uh, you know yeah. what? Previous to this, I probably would have thrown out Blue Shadow Viruses as one of the worst. But I'll say Blue Shadow Virus isn't a bad episode. I just don't like it. Right? Like mm-hmm. I, it's just not my my taste. But there's some really great stuff in Blue Shadow Virus. There, there, there was. There's more great stuff in that episode than there is in this episode, and and I'm gonna say in the entire two arc, even though we haven't seen the second half, because I, it's just mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that we've just we've been set up for disappointment with the hype and everything leading up to this, but it doesn't help that they're really just sort of stretching it out and milking it for two weeks worth of ratings. Yeah, this is just a one. This is just a season finale. It's not a two-parter. It's 
it's a one part because it's all yeah. going to come next next episode. Um, but I just like I said, I, I just hope that we're in for a bigger yeah. big tree, and I hope it's not like like the Chewbacca of, of last year. Um, but yeah, this this snake thing, like I said, it pulled me out. It's like it it didn't even look like it was animated. It looked like like a, a six year old was yeah. was drawing. I mean, it was just a big you know circle with a couple yeah. eyes was, there, there was, was nothing they just didn't he, work there was nothing star wars about this character he was literally yeah, just a talking exactly. snake yeah. with googly eyes instead instead yeah. of snake eyes, <laughs> right like with like i i think i think one of the reasons yeah. why you keep sort of going i i feel you leaning back towards disney is because this character is literally caught <laughs> from the jungle book Call. Yeah, I was like, say jungle, uh, other but, yeah. than the fact that yeah. he doesn't do little hypnotizing eyes and he doesn't speak with that s- to his s's, he is the character right. of Ka from the Jungle Book, <laughs> right down to the way that he yeah, looks. Yeah. But they just put his eyes on little tiny stalks, gave him little googly eyes, yeah. and sort of segmented. I mean, not even sort of segmented his head out because Ka has a segmented out head, right, in the way that that character is drawn. But I mean, like this just. It, I'm sorry, like, I really don't want to be this negative because I love the Clone Wars. And I re- like just going back to what I said, the whole thing that I said at the beginning of the episode about the, the whole Topher Grace thing. I respect what these guys do. And when they are at the top of their game, it is it transcends Star Wars TV shows and animation and becomes something else. It's just fantastic, amazing storytelling. And it just it does what the best parts of Star Wars do, uh, of of what you know Empire and Return of the Jedi and, and A New Hope do, uh, when this show is at its peak. But this episode is just so lazy to me that mm-hmm. like I can't I can't let it go. It just it it it's such a disservice to the rest of the series. What if, like, here's the thing. What if the whole hype of Darth Maul coming back has actually gotten some new viewers to tune in this past week? What if that's the mm-hmm. case? I'm sure right? it is. Like, I'm exactly. Sure it is. Like, yeah. it's, it's not a stretch to say that that is, in fact, the case. And if you're a listener listening to Frontlines for the first time because you've just watched your first episode of The Clone Wars and you want to know why everybody thinks the series is so great because you've heard things about it and then you finally thought, oh, Darth Maul's going to be on it. I'll give it a try. And then you, you, you're you looking for answers and this is the place that you've come to. Write us an email so that we can discuss this a little bit more because I'd love to get that perspective. But nothing reeks of laziness more to me than the fact that this species is called an anaconda. They <laughs> Yeah, and, well, look at the name. Morley. Look at the name, Morley. It's more it's more eel, but they yeah, put an like, L in there. Like Anacondin? I uh, like I will <laughs> give you that that Admiral Trench's <laughs> character design from two seasons ago is he's from season two, right? Um mm-hmm. that character design is definitely not one of the stronger character designs in the series. Because he is no. literally a giant Spider Man, right? Like, like he's right. literally a big anthropomorphic tarantula. But his name, Admiral Trench, 
is kind of a little bit bordering on clever. You take the word tarantula and you just break it down to trench. That's kind of funny to me. And that that goes back to uh, and it's sort of a, a, an homage to uh, to the like the original names of a lot of the cantina aliens like Hammerhead and Snaggletooth and all that stuff before the Decipher card series came out and all of those characters needed names so that they could have an entire card game based around three movies. Uh, <laughs> you know, and we yeah, started yeah. getting the essential guides to species and blah, blah, blah. And we found out that, well, in fact, that that Hammerhead is an Athorian named Moma Nadon and he's a rebel spy. And, you know, uh, like now we have a whole backstory for the character. But in the 70s and the 80s, those species were called silly names, right? Um, I mean, right. I guess Pona Baba was Walrus Man, right? Like that was the original right. name for the character. And that that is definitely a weak, weak name and just like totally lazy. But Anacondon in the year 2012 with th- over 30 years, uh, 35 years of Star Wars uh, history and lore, uh, oh man, that just it just kills me. It just kills me <laughs> that they. And, yeah. and I mean, like, yeah. it's not in the episode, right? So we give them kind of a little bit of leeway on that because he's not like I'm Morley, a peculiar Anacondon. Right, like he never says that. This is only for the benefit no. of us reading the recaps, um, you know, the the episode descriptions and stuff. But they can do better than that, right? Like, yeah. like you can do better than adding one letter onto a species name and calling it an alien. Mm-hmm. You know, making a snake talk yeah. and giving it googly eyes, but well, we got more of this too. Uh... <laughs> More of the leads, Savage passed several of Lotho Miner's threats, like the massive mechanical fire-breathing monsters or the fiercely territorial junkers. The junkers surround and attack Savage, but he easily slashes through the na- uh, native scavengers with his double-bladed lightsaber. When acid rain begins to fall, Savage and Morley duck into a nearby shelter. So, who are you looking for? Come on! My brother. I've been searching for him. Uh, does he look like you? Have you seen him? No. I just heard stories about a horned man. I thought it was just an old local legend. How old? Old. They say he drags things down beneath, and they never come back up. Oh, but it's only a legend, like I said. Acid rain. It'll melt us down if we don't find shelter soon. Over there. Man, planet's so bad it even has acid rain. But here's the one thing I'm gonna say that I did like. There's a few things, but one thing that I was I kind of appreciated was he was fighting these junk mm-hmm. dealers, which 
okay, whatever. They just wanted him to fight. You know, we need to have some kind yeah. of action in this episode because we don't have any. Um, but they do pay pretty good attention to detail when when they do when the animators put they put a lot of detail into fight. Let me just say that because you know the spins. Um, Savage at one point he actually passed the lightsaber behind his back and you mm-hmm. actually see it. So I mean I appreciate what they do with that and with the lightsaber fighting and and kind of the attention they put into that some of that details. Just like I said, you, you see the lightsaber spinning and yeah. go behind the back and stuff like that. But and again here we got Morley and it's almost like he was like a Yoda type character. You know what I mean? Like just as somebody that shows up and starts talking and wants to be the buddy and and yeah. help out. You know, it was it was a Yoda type moment. But um, we find out that, you know, he's got other things going on besides just helping out Savage. But, again, it just uh, – I don't even want to – I'll just – I don't even want to keep going. We'll just, we'll just keep going. <laughs> I just want I just want to say really quick, the acid rain was yeah, a cool thing because yeah. you're on a junk planet. So the acid uh, rain is obviously going to be terrible because these fire-breathing monsters are just oh, yeah. spewing – smoke and co2 and all sorts of chemicals into the air so the idea that the acid rain would mm-hmm. be so bad that even a character like savage Opress has to duck into cover and the lightsabers yeah. have never looked as good as they did in this episode so yeah. i will give yeah. them that <laughs> because like there we go like, i found some credit where credit yes. is due and and yes, even like from the trailers and everything, the first time we saw Savage whipping around the 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 lightsaber in this episode, you could tell that there. Like, I don't know if this is a decision. Like, this is the way it looks when Savage does it. Like when because he moves it so quickly because it's because uh, it's double bladed, or if if this is like this is a change that they're making with the way that they animate the lightsabers. But just the really bold shapes and and just the way that that lightsaber sort of almost turns to like it it almost feels like it's like a liquid, right? Like it's it's just mm-hmm. kind of got this fluidity to it of the way that it that it arcs and leaves a trail and all that sort of thing. Better than they've ever done it in the series before, and they've done some awesome stuff with the lightsabers. Oh yeah. Now that I talk about it, it does yeah. kind of remind me a little bit of the way that they looked in. Uh, Crisis on Naboo, uh, and with the battle between Dooku and Anakin, the, it, that ep- that episode and that battle had just a little bit of a different feel to the lightsabers than I think that we've seen before. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is this is a change that they've made to the way that they animate those. What like the, from the technical point of view, like the technical animation, the way that the lightsabers trail and that sort of thing, to give it a little bit more of a stylistic. Uh, view right. of it, so just so it's kind yeah, of like right. I, I think so that it's its own thing. It's not exactly the same as as uh, the the movies and and all that sort of thing. So uh, definitely yeah. liked it. I definitely we found liked some. It. Yeah, hey, we found some. We liked. I like it. There we go. I'm, I don't even have to play devil's <laughs> advocate anymore. I got you. I got you. Turn <laughs> go, go uh, inside the shelter. Turn. Savage's amulet begins to glow again. This gives him hope, but that hope quickly turns to despair when the shelter contains no trace of his brother. Savage concludes that Mother Talzin has betrayed him and led him to a dead end. Just then, Morley springs a trap that drops Savage into a deep pit. The treacherous creature is pleased with himself. He's lured another victim. Uh, and 
You want it? Oh, sorry. More to that. Uh, um, uh, sorry. Elude another victim into his master's lair to be eaten. Morally relishes the thought yes. of his master letting him feed on Savage's leftovers. There, it was broken up by the uh, the page break there. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you know what we forgot to mention too was that um, yeah. Towson's back, and it seems like she's alive. Then I didn't notice anything that would suggest she's not. Um, you know what I mean? So uh, whether she was a ghost or anything, it looks like she was in a regular form. So, um, yeah. So there's another twist that we got to work. We got to, you know, ponder is that she is still out there doing whatever it is she's going to be doing. So we'll see what happens in the dark tunnels beneath Lotho Minor's surface. Oppress is stalked by a mysterious being with spindly spider-like legs. It is too dark for Savage to make out his hunter, but his amulet begins to grow fiercely and obviously that's darth maul so i don't know why yes. we're beating around the bush yeah. with it and making it take forever <laughs> it's clearly darth maul. yeah yes all right right uh yeah i don't know should we yeah, yeah i'll go one more and then okay. maybe we'll talk about uh, from the shadows the spider strikes but it's no arachnid the wild animal-like creature is half man carried about by spider-like mechanical legs made of junk Opress recognizes the face. It is long. It is his long lost brother, Darth Maul. And wow, you know what? I again, I don't like what they did with this. Um, I I like the fact that they used okay the leg thing. Okay, he's basically on a stinking spider body, right? Um, I like the organic feel that they put to it with the junk and everything. But um, I just I don't I didn't like it. I don't like the spider thing. It just doesn't feel it's it doesn't feel Star Wars to me. I mean, we mentioned you mentioned that earlier, Mike, and <clears throat> just for me. I mean, other yeah. people might have liked it, but I it just it didn't work for me. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him with just yeah. the two leg thing. Okay, that makes so much more sense. Why this? And here's another thing: is we don't know how he got there. That's that's what I'm wondering. Is give me something, and maybe we'll get this next season. I don't know. How yeah. did he end up like that? How did he get out of the – I think that's the big thing is how did he make it out of getting sliced in half? <laughs> how did he get to this planet? How did he get these legs? You know, why does he have these legs? I mean, is there – if you tell me this is – and it makes sense, then I could – I guess I can understand it. But just like, oh, he's got he's got a whole – I mean, it wasn't just the spider legs. It was like yeah. a whole spider body. You know what I mean? And I just didn't like it. I, what did yeah, you, what you know what? what? I mean – I was so distracted by how much I didn't like this episode that I didn't even notice that we got no explanation. <laughs> the thing that we've been waiting for, yeah. right? The thing that we've been sitting there going like, we're <laughs> finally going to find out how he made it out of Naboo. Um, yeah. And the whole episode I was, I think I was leading up to it going, uh, Oh, well clearly, you know, he fell down the reactor shaft, fell into some garbage and got hauled away with the mm. rest of the junk, you know, which is very Star yeah. Wars because I just quoted Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, paraphrase Star Wars yeah. at least. So, like, I, you know what? If yeah. that was the case, then I can start to go, okay, he's used the Force. Uh, maybe Mother Talzin, like, comes to him in a vision and, say, you know, like, helps him survive or something like that. But, but now, uh, unless we're going to see it next week, in which case we're going to eat up precious time in an episode where we need to deal with the fact that him and obi-wan are going to fight each other uh which they really should just fight for 22 minutes in my opinion 
Um, like the first <laughs> yeah, five minutes it. should be it, much <laughs> like the last two seconds of this episode is like, go fight him. Uh, the first five minutes should be Obi Wan going, "I'm gonna go fight Darth Maul now, okay, guys." And then that the next yeah. eighteen minutes should just be him fighting Darth Maul. Just uh, because, I mean, that's it. He fought him longer in episode one, so uh, you know it should be a one hour episode, and they should just fight for an hour. But yeah, just go. But for I it. don't think that's what we're gonna get. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. It's that's what was more intriguing to me was how he got to this point. But again, I didn't like it, and I can't wait to see him next week and back in just what we thought we were going to see him yeah. with the two legs. So uh, Maul is clearly mad, gaunt, starving, and feral. The former Sith apprentice has has been living in squalor and filth for over a decade. His mind is as broken as his body. He has no idea of who he is, of what he. Of what he once was. Savage tries to focus his brother's attention, but to little avail. When Savage asks who did this to Maul, however, the half-Sith comes to his senses. He knows he wants one thing, revenge against the Jedi. And I tell you what, that's the part that I loved. I mean, you get Sam Whitworth starting to voice this thing, and you're like, well, yeah, you know, that was really, that really brought me back in. I was like, wow, this is, I'm liking yes. this now. And, you know, just the, the, the pain and the suffering and, and the, that he has gone mad, you know, that's all he's been thinking about is, is getting back at, uh, at Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, um, that was the, the, obviously the high point. I mean, it was all in the last minute, but I loved seeing that. And, and it kind of gives me a little hope yeah. as to, as yeah, to next absolutely. week. So, um, go ahead. Okay. Me, yeah. Finish it up or, uh, in the Jedi temple on Coruscant, Yoda senses a deep disturbance in the force. He warns Obi-Wan Kenobi that Darth Maul has returned. Master Yoda. Feel the disturbance in the Force, do you? Yes, Master. Fear you are in danger, I do. From the dead, an old enemy has awakened, seeking vengeance. An old enemy. Killed your master many moons ago. He did. How can this be? I killed him myself. It is so, I fear. Darth Maul, alive? Thus sets us up for next week's big matchup. And, man, I, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm really... I have no idea where this is going, and I, I don't know what yeah. we're going to see. I mean, we see we've seen a little bit of preview, and we'll get to the preview here in a second. But um, just please, I hope this is is what we've all been waiting for, and I hope this was just like I don't know. I'm just I'm just hoping that next week we're going to get some really just kick ass stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I hope it it uh, redeems itself because I just I wasn't feeling this episode. A lot of just why did why did that yeah. need to be there? Um, and the bad just outweighed the good for me on this particular one. I tried to play devil's advocate. There's a few things I like, but uh, in the end, um, just too many things that didn't work for me. So um, not much more we could say about that. Huh? Hopefully uh, next week, Mike, uh, we're gonna get something really good. Yeah. You know, uh, let's just be cock. You know, let's just be uh, cautiously optimistic and uh, not get too, 
you know, you know, we, Star Wars fans, we have a tendency to do this. We have a tendency to um, hype us, hype things up so much. And they've done this since last season, Mike, in the beginning. I mean, in the middle, we've been teased with this. So it's hard not to get ramped up. It's hard yeah. not to get pumped up. And when you see the clips with Sam Witwer and you see Darth Maul standing with two legs and getting ready to battle Obi-Wan, you, it's hard not to get pumped up and psyched. So uh, I just got to learn how to just kind of bring yeah. it down a little bit and... And hopefully I get shocked and surprised and next week we'll be we'll be glowing with with just you know happiness of what we signed what we've seen. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I mean I mean I, I hope this kick right in the gut next week. Uh, yeah, I'll always stuff. want an episode to be better uh than than I think sometimes they come out. Uh so I'm 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 definitely I'm gonna keep an open mind. For next week, uh, or this coming Friday for the season finale, and hope that uh, that all of this buildup will be worth it. Uh, I'm still I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess. Uh, I, I I I'm really just worried that it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully it, it surprises you, and and we can talk, and we talk next week. It's uh, yeah, they really. You know, they had me go in one direction, and they they pulled something really good out of the hat. So we'll see. We'll get there. Let's uh, let's talk about the Facebook post of the week before we head on to the uh, next week's it. episode. So uh, let's do it. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. He I seem to have found it. So Aaron Altimus, a uh, great poster on Facebook, he, he hit us with another one, another question of the week, and it says, Episode 7, if you could write it, what story would you make? And that's a great little uh, post right there, and we got some people that weighed in on there, and, and I would just say that, um, man, I would love to see that. But uh, you know what? I like the fact that, well, I, like, I would like to see Luke. I would like to see mm-hmm. the original clan again, to be honest. And if you were to do it again sometime in the future, obviously you'd have to remake it like they did yeah. Star Trek or something like that and put new people in. And there's no problem with that, I don't think. Um, but I would like to see the original, um, you know, Luke, Leia, and, and the rest of them. And maybe see some of that story arc of the um, that started off the uh, Vector Prime series with... Uh, uh, oh, jeez, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Uh, they use the use and bomb? Uh, okay. Using Vaughn, gosh, how did I mess that up? But yeah, I, I think that would be kind of a cool way to to uh, to go w- with the story and to see Luke and and uh, how he progressed as a Jedi Master and starting up the uh, the Jedi yeah. Knights again. So uh, I don't know. What do you think? If you could, if you could write uh, some, what would okay. You like to see? So here's the thing, and I'm kind of spitballing with this because I don't know that I've given it a ton of thought. But I okay episode three four or sorry four five six is the rise of the light side right like it's the rise of the light side from uh from the darkness of the empire one two and three is the rise of the dark side from the previous uh world uh the 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 peace that lasted a thousand generations or uh a hundred years or whatever it is that Darth said, well, that Palpatine says, uh, that has been, I think they, they contradict in between two movies. Like 
it's a piece that mm-hmm. lasted a thousand generations and the Jedi Knights have been the 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 guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy for a thousand years or something like that. It's like, well, which is it a thousand generations or a thousand years? Um, (laughs) But I, you gotta go with that sort of uh, that, that, that same arc. Um, And I don't know that you necessarily consider it's the rise of the light side, right? And and one of the things is that between episodes, uh, episode three and episode four, is when the the dark side sort of flourishes. So I guess you'd have to take that break between episode episode six and episode seven and let the light side come back. Mm-hmm. So as much as I would love to see uh, a little bit more of like. Um, Luke establishing the Je- the New Jedi Order, uh, the the sort of the trials and tribulations of that, and some conflict in there. I I think that really mm-hmm. like that's what you get when you want to tell those stories that take place right afterwards. Like look at the Truce of Bakura, which takes place literally days after Return of the Jedi, right? Um, and then mm-hmm. you start you all, they're already into another another war, uh, another another conflict. Um, I think that there probably would have been uh, some some transitional pains, like there always is, uh, with, with something like with a big change like that. Obviously, the Empire is not defeated just because you've defeated one man, but the galaxy has been freed because you've killed one man. Right. So um, there is a struggle there that has to take place before Luke can start to reestablish the Jedi order. But I don't think that that's the story to tell. I don't think that establishing the order is the story to tell. I think that what you need to do is you need to give those characters some room to breathe, uh, establish that the peace has gone on for a generation and that, uh, that they've been able to maintain it. But then uh, you bring in the, uh, the 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 twins uh you sort of continue the skywalker legacy with the solos mm-hmm. uh <clears throat> so you bring in jason and jaina but give han and leia a little bit more time i uh, g- give them a few more years before they start to have kids because again in in the in the expanded universe i think they get to it pretty quick uh, i think it's about five years after the fact that that the uh, mm-hmm. that the Thrawn trilogy takes place, and uh, and Jason and Jaina are already born, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. maybe just give them a little bit longer. Uh, make those kids the same age that when that they were when they started their Jedi training. So about I think they think they were like sixteen or seventeen. Maybe they were younger, but maybe you make them about sixteen or seventeen when we catch up to them, but the same age that Luke was when we meet him in a new hope. <clears throat> uh, and you see what it, what it, what it's like for uh, those characters to have flourished in a, in a time of peace. So you start there and then you build a conflict from there. So I don't know what that conflict would be. If it would be the Yuuzhan Vong, I think that that's maybe a little bit too dark for a movie series to go uh that that definitely mm-hmm. sort of has has its place in the novels and there's some really great stories in there but 
that threat is a little bit too all encompassing and a little bit too overwhelming, I think for, for the, for the movies. And it's not very relatable. It's very science fiction. It's not very science fiction fantasy because sci-fi fantasy, like all fantasy at the root of it has all of these really relatable things. The hero always has to be an every man and it has to be a conflict that's overwhelming, but that's surmountable. The Yuuzhan Vong, one of the things that was so devastating about those characters is that, like, and about that threat, is that they couldn't defeat it. Like, even at the end, they mm-hmm. didn't defeat it. And this is spoilers for everybody. Uh, Zenoma Sekot, the living planet, def- didn't even defeat the Yuuzhan Vong, essentially convinced the Yuuzhan Vong to stop fighting. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, we've been talking forever tonight so my voice is getting a little bit hoarse now so i'll just leave it where i just said and that like that's a starting point and i think that the story has to be uh, a new threat rising more than likely from one of luke's own uh own jedi uh one, one of one of his his early uh uh students i think would be a great a great place to have that um Mm-hmm. And kill Luke in the first episode, which which is sacrilege Whoa, to everybody major. else. But I uh, <laughs> but I think you got to kill huge. Luke, yeah. just like you kill Obi Wan, uh, and mm-hmm. and you and then Luke, it, it, like it sort of it needs to come come full circle because the Star Wars saga is cyclical. Like that's the way it goes. What happens in the begin in in Episode One? Qui-Gon Jinn dies, right? Like, the Jedi Mm -hmm. who could solve all the problems and has all of the answers needs to be killed right from the outset. And I think that's one of the biggest failings of the Expanded Universe as it currently stands, is that they are so afraid of killing actual important characters. Yes, okay, Chewbacca was killed. Mm -hmm. Yes, Anakin Solo was killed during during the battle with the, mm-hmm. the, the war with the Yuuzhan Vong. Chewbacca right. is not a consequential character. He is completely inconsequential. He is Han Solo's sidekick. We love him. He's great. He's an important part of the Star Wars universe. But his stories don't shape the direction of, of the galaxy like Han, Leia, and Luke do. Right? Like the, and, and Anakin and Padme and Obi-Wan. Those characters shape the course of the galaxy with their actions. Chewbacca is just along for the ride, right? Like, so you kill right. him. It's sad. He's a classic character. He's from the original movie, so it's a big deal. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect anything other than like it affects Han Solo and it affects his storyline. So that's definitely an angle. I, I don't know that Han and Leia are really in these movies, the, the, the seven, eight, nine, all that much again, like maybe you kill them off too, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's the, another rise of the dark side, you got to establish those stakes really fast. Right. And you got to make us really worried about our characters because like the, just the expanded universe as a, as books and comics work because you have time to deal with those characters and you want to know more about them. It's like, it's like a game of Thrones, right? Like that, that book series is all about the interpersonal relationships, but the movies 
for Star Wars, they're not about the interpersonal relationships. They're about the galaxy and how that those personal stories affect the course of the galaxy. Luke's story is a very personal story. Han and Leia's story is a very personal story. But that story directly influences the course of the galaxy, right? So it, it, it has to have that same weight to it. It can't just be, you know, Han and Leia with a bunch of kids running around the galaxy looking for intergalactic babysitting services, you know? Like, it, you, you, you can't have those ties. There's a reason why in most stories you separate your hero from his family, from everybody that he knows, right? Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Frodo doesn't have a family, right? He lives with his uncle. <laughs> Spider-Man, right. his parents are dead. And you kill Uncle Ben in the beginning, right? right? Luke Skywalker, yeah. <laughs> he lives with his aunt and uncle, and they get killed. Because it frees your characters up right. to go and find their destiny and, and do that. So exactly. so if, if the yeah. story is going to be legacy-based, I... Uh, I don't know. Maybe you even take it a step further, and and Luke is a grandfather, and we we deal with with Ben Skywalker's children, right? Like maybe that's how we go. And Ben Skywalker dies at the beginning, and Luke dies at the beginning. You know, like maybe a Jedi enclave gets destroyed, and they all die, and and this Skywalker that falls somewhere in between those characters <laughs> and Cade uh, in in the in the legacy series. And we, we tell that story because maybe there's room in there and then your precious EU gets left intact and people don't throw hissy fits and get mad at George Lucas for raping their childhoods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I like the fact that, that uh, well, actually some guys agree with you in Facebook and in, in that, you know, Eric points points out that um, you would yeah. start with the solo twins. Uh, as Padawans, uh, Tim Garashi, he mentioned the using Vong as well, that it'd be a good uh, opponent and you could change him yeah. from the Sith. Uh, and that, that kind of makes a little sense there. Uh, <coughs> Matt Campbell says something about Hair to the Empire. Yeah. Luke meets Mera and Thrawn. And then Jason Hunt also said something about the Thrawn trilogy. So there's just a few uh, posts or replies on Facebook on where some of these other folks would like to see it, if it was ever made. And you know, Lucas says he's never going to do it, but you never know. It could get passed on to that story just else, wraps up, you know, way too nicely at the end of return of the Jedi, you know, just way too nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's lots of room to tell stories yeah. in the star Wars universe, but I think the Skywalker saga oh, yeah. Yeah. is done at episode mm-hmm. six. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that would be perfect. It would, you would set up the killing Luke and then he can always come back yeah. as a force ghost or whatever. Uh, you know, and so it's not like you're losing him and he's going to be gone. So, so that's what uh, that's what's going on in Facebook. Always some good conversation going on over there. So thanks to Eric Altimus again for a nice question. So let's get into oh, next week. Yes. We're going to finish it okay. up next week, and uh, we're finishing up with Revenge. This is the big. This is the big one, and we'll see how it goes. Savage and Maul are now reunited. Pursue Obi-Wan Kenobi in search of revenge, and the Jedi Knight finds himself forced to unite with a surprising ally to defend against the deadly siblings. Jedi, I have been waiting for you. I'm not sure I've made your acquaintance. 
I am surprised you could have forgotten me so easily after I killed your master and you left me for dead on Naboo. It is you. You may have forgotten me, but I will never forget you. And you know what kind of piqued my interest when I'm reading the uh, the description, Mike, is the uh, surprising ally. So that, yeah. that's why I get back to Asajj. I'm thinking, you know, is she going to have something yeah. to do with this? Uh, so I don't know. You know, she definitely felt that tremor. Was that why they put that yeah. particular scene in this episode? You know, um, we're thinking, you know, why do it? And that's kind of what I was getting to. Um, but we'll see. You know, it's it's. It's going to be a surprise, and that's kind of where my – that's where I think it's going. Yeah. I could be way off. Um, but they're definitely showing us or telling us something about uh, a surprise guest joining well, I, to help Obi-Wan. So that's interesting. And you know what? And, and here's the thing, Mike, real quick, that these two, Obi-Wan and Savar, Obi-Wan and yeah. Ventress, have that wild connection. You yeah. know what I mean? They uh, – I don't know. So what do you? Yeah, think? you know, like I mean, they, it's it's one of two characters, right? It's either uh, Asajj Ventress or Count Dooku. They, so I was uh, because Dooku it's got to yeah. be a character that's connected to the story in some way. Um, and right. I think that they, I uh, Obi Wan has a responsibility for creating this version of Darth Maul, um, much like he mm -hmm. had a responsibility in creating Darth Vader. Uh, this guy's really got to learn to right. finish the job. Just come on, pal. <laughs> Lightsaber Shut through off. the skull. <laughs> Chop the head off. Mace knows what he's doing. He's on yeah. the council for a reason. Just follow his lead. Um, yeah. But it, yeah. anyways, uh, it, 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 he's responsible for, for Maul. And uh, and Asajj is responsible for, for Savage Opress. So uh, I could see that being the story. But, I, you know... Dooku is equally responsible for Savage Opress, yeah. and he's responsible. Uh, well, not necessarily him, but but uh, Palpatine is responsible for uh, Darth Maul, right? So um, there's yeah. there's a connection there, and you know what would be interesting if it is Dooku. Maul killed Qui Gon. Qui Gon was Dooku's mm -hmm. Padawan. Padawan, right? And even though Dooku is a yeah. Sith, I don't think like Dooku's not a Sith in the same way that Vader and Palpatine and Maul are. Like Dooku Maul, just right, feels exactly. a lot like a dark Jedi to me because he was a Jedi for so long and then turned to the dark side and has only been a Sith for mm -hmm. a short while. Um, I I think that there's right. still a lot of connection to his past, and so there's an aspect of of that that makes me think, I. Dooku's got a bit of a connection to Maul as well. Like there would be a little bit of a because he's he's dark side through and through. Uh, that Dooku would want revenge as well for for Maul killing mm. Qui Gon. So in, in the same way that that Obi Wan is filled with anger and rage and kills Darth Maul, or at least we thought he killed Darth Maul. Uh, Dooku would want the same thing because. I I believe that Dooku truly believes that if Qui Gon were still alive, that he would he would understand Dooku's point of view. Now, mm -hmm. I I don't think that that's true. I think that that's Dooku's own twisted mind 
thinking that, but uh, because right. he's twi- been twisted by the dark side. But, uh, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I know. I thought the same thing. I, it's either it's either uh, Ventress or again, like you said, it, it could be Duke yeah. as well, and that would be a kind of a neat little trick too. Yeah, I, either way, um, some surprises coming. So. We'll see what happens on Friday. So that's going to do it. That is it for this week. Finally, Uh, thank you for sticking in there with us all the way to the end. It was a it was a long episode this week. Uh, Lots to talk about. Uh, But as always, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. You can follow us over on Twitter. Username Clone Wars. That's twitter.com slash Clone Wars. And jump on Facebook and join our page and our group. Uh, facebook.com slash clone wars podcast you can mail us uh and complain about the length of this episode and be rambling on and on about things <laughs> unrelated to star wars by mailing us at uh, mail at clone wars podcast.com <laughs> and uh don't forget to go see john carter this week there you go there's it and, going out with that <laughs> yeah we will see you guys next week to discuss uh revenge Yes, see you next week. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always. <laughs>